I am thankful to have connected with you on this podcast. I want to ask you a favor. Please do subscribe. And by doing that, you help us to bring on many wonderful guests that we can all learn from, grow, and make an impact. Thank you so okay. much, Umi Obatero, for joining us on Immigrants Making an Impact, the podcast. Umi is an educator, a researcher, and innovative leader. We are so glad you are here. Please tell us a bit more about yourself. Thanks for having me, Mami. It's an honor and a pleasure to be part of this podcast. As you had said, I am a researcher. I am a post-secondary college instructor at a, one of the largest city colleges in Canada. Uh, the majority of my learners or students are international students and learners. And I've learned a lot about their experiences. And one of the reasons I could connect with my students slash learners is the experiences I had with my parents. My parents were student, international students in the 70s. And when I saw or I observed my, my students' lives and their lived experiences, it's very easy for me to connect their lived experiences with what I, with what I experienced mm. as a second-generation Canadian. So that was how I realized that there was something here, right? Mm -hmm. That there was there was a connection uh, in that relationship. Fantastic. So your your parents are immigrants, and you were born in Canada. So it's complex. I'll say this: um, grew up in Montreal in the seventies while my parents were students. And so we went back to Nigeria for seven years as a child. So I lived in Nigeria for seven years. And you probably can hear a hint mm -hmm. of Nigeria in my voice as I speak. Absolutely. Uh, and that's one of the gifts that uh, Africa gave me. It's one of the legacies. It reminds me that I was there for seven years as a child. I learned the language. And here I am today. Hmm. Great. We'll talk about your experiences back home in Africa, Nigeria. So let's move on to growing up as an immigrant child, like your parents are immigrants. Yes. What were some of your challenges with cultural stereotypes and being in school and, you know, some immigrants or children of immigrants that I've spoken to, many of them share their challenges with um, the pressure to perform and so many other things. Tell us about your journey growing up? Some researchers would call me a third culture child. And as many of us, uh, not just Black uh, second generationers, but immigrants in general, uh, and our parents are baby boomers. I'm a Gen Xer, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. The common refrain is work twice as hard as everybody else mm -hmm. or work 10 times as hard as anybody else. Every daughter, son of an immigrant has heard this, regardless mm -hmm. of uh, ethnic background. And, and that's how I grew up, too. Uh, that became the dogma in my home. Work twice as hard as anybody else or work 10 times as hard as everybody else. So that was something which we grew up with from the from from jump, from mm -hmm. the get go. And I also have my own standards of excellence that I developed. And so it, it, it's, it's pressure. However, in my case, it was positive pressure. Mm -hmm. It was positive pressure. And that refrain of working hard, excellence, I feel is something I see in immigrants coming to this great country as well. 
that mm-hmm. drive, that drive. Yeah, so it passed from one generation to the other. So we've talked about the pressure to perform. And mm-hmm. let's talk about growing up between two cultures. So you have your own cultural identity. And I mean, you you may be raised up with some of your cultural um, doings. And then coming yeah. to live in, the, in Canada, there's also a way of life culturally. So yes. torn between these cultures, how is it like growing up? Ah, uh, wow. It's, uh, so here, I'll give you an example. Um, lived most of my life in Canada, in the Western world, and seven in, in Nigeria, which, which were for, during my formative years. Mm-hmm. So making me what we call a third culture child. Now, I'll tell you what a typical day is like for me to give you an understanding of how I need to weave a maneuver between cultures. So when I'm with uh, Yoruba uh, community, mm-hmm. uh, which is my ethnic community, my tribe, they see me as Canadian, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then when I'm with a Nigerian crowd, I mean, Nigeria has at least 250 different um, ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. They see me as Yoruba mm. and Canadian. When I'm with the larger African community, you know, uh, sub-Saharan African community from East Africa, South Africa, uh, West Africa, they see me as a Nigerian Canadian. Mm. And when I'm with uh, mainstream Canadians, I'm seeing people ask me, where are you from? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm neither fish nor fowl to anybody. Hmm. And it's a little bit of a journey to come to see it as an advantage. Mm-hmm. I've already mentioned at least four different communities that may not see me as 100% them. Mm-hmm. What that does for me is it gives me the ability to maneuver and connect with a lot of people mm-hmm. on a lot of different levels. You see? So that's my final analysis is I can go into a variety of communities and I might not be a hundred percent. However, there is something that I have that can connect me to that community. That's how I see it. That is quite interesting from your angle. Share with us. So getting to this place of knowing that you can connect with these different um, identities. Has it always been like that? Or are you talking about my emotional journey or or the journey itself? You know, before you get to know that people see you differently, people think that you are something that you're Canadian, others think that you're Nigerian. And what does all these identities do to you before you you knew that, okay, so I have come now to know that people see me differently from where I come from, where I have lived my different experiences. Did it change you in any way before you you came to know? Of course, of course. And I think it's it's, um, that juggling of multiple identities. Mm-hmm. You know, W.E.B. Dubois talked about double consciousness, and that just talks about my African-American brothers and sisters living mm-hmm. in America, how they need to negotiate between their subculture 
and the American mainstream culture. Mm -hmm. For me, it's actually more than two. <laughs> and I have to code switch many times a day. Mm -hmm. I feel I've been doing this as a child unconsciously. Mm. And perhaps it's my personality. Uh, it's exciting for me. Uh, but sometimes you want that heart to heart. I think that's where the challenges are, is you want to be seen not as, oh, you're different, mm -hmm. whether I am in a, an African community or in a mainstream community. But that heart-to-heart -heart is hard sometimes. You have to look for it. Because it's that part of you as a human being that wants to connect fully. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. Very insightful. And being a child of immigrants, what advice would you give to immigrants' parents raising their children in a country in which they are not born? Uh, I believe um, it's important for us to instill in our children their intrinsic value, that their legitimacy, their worth, their value is intrinsic. Mm -hmm. They are valued because they are loved. And then you can instill pride in what they do. What you do is not what you are. It's an interesting perspective. You are legitimate. You have value because you exist and mm -hmm. you are loved. That's a foundation that I, I find helps. Not just our immigrant kids. I mean, our our, our children, mm -hmm. but, but children in general. And then you can build upon that uh, pride of culture, pride mm -hmm. in language, pride in country of origin. One thing I also encourage parents to do is to investigate their own historical background and draw a family tree, for instance, mm -hmm. right? So you have mommy and daddy, you have grandma, grandpa, grandma, grandpa, and you just begin to find as much data as you can about your lineage and talk about what each person in that lineage did, the nodes. Mm. That's important. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a visual. It's something you get to talk about consistently. Um, I find that to be very helpful. But first of all, it's important for the child to have that uh, in the understanding that they have value because they are, then you can build on their heritage. You can build on their personality. You can build on their gifts and their education. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amazing. There's a lot we can learn from you. Um, but um, looking at your background as an educator, researcher, I think that you also share that powerful stories transmit complexities into the relatable. Could you tell us um, the importance of sharing our stories, especially as immigrants? Uh, you know, <laughs> tales by moonlight, anybody. <laughs> um, we come from a people you and I come from a people uh, that are mostly oral historians. Mm -hmm. So perhaps it's in the blood, right? Maybe it's genetic. We are always telling our stories. We're always telling stories. We listen to stories from our mother. We listen to stories from our grandparents, from our great-grandparents. So those seven years in Nigeria, I got really immersed into that oral culture. Mm -hmm. It's through our oral culture that our history 
resides. You know, for instance, uh, in drawing my own family tree, all I need to do is visit the oral historian or ask the oral historian in my family line, and he would recite the oral history of my family. And from there, I begin to understand uh, my generational lineage. Mm. So storytelling is something which you and I do. We've been doing it for centuries. And so why not now? We've been doing it for centuries, so why not now? Excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Let's talk about immigrant entrepreneurship. I am a fan. I think I believe that every immigrant should pursue entrepreneurship. I think that immigrants are naturally born entrepreneurs. So, since entrepreneurship and immigrant entrepreneurship is a field that you are di- you have dived into or you are still researching on, and also know more about, please tell us a bit more about that. My great grandmother was one of the few women in my village, Midwest Nigeria, to be to own a hundred pounds. And this was uh, before World War II. Mm-hmm. How many times do you hear history like that? No. Not only is immigrant entrepreneurship important, it's also a way for us to tell our stories and to share with the world that we are very much like everybody else who has dreams and aspirations. We have a pride uh, as entrepreneurs. We have always been entrepreneurs. I can go back in my lineage and the women from my mother's side, my father's side were entrepreneurs. My mother is an entrepreneur. My father is an entrepreneur. Mm. My siblings are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. There's something about that that I'm still looking into. What is it about entrepreneurship that appeals, that appeals to us? There are two sides. Mm-hmm. There's where you become an entrepreneur because you are pulled into it, which means you're at, you, you have that desire to innovate. Mm-hmm. You have that desire to innovate and you become an entrepreneur. You go through that difficult process because of that drive you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many immigrants that do that. And then there's when we're pushed into entrepreneurship, which is we become entrepreneurs out of necessity. Mm-hmm. either to augment our income or because we see a problem in our small communities that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And so we're pushed where it's almost like we're forced. We don't have a choice but to become mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And one of the recent studies in Alberta is showing us that it's 50-50 mm-hmm. when it comes to immigrant entrepreneurs in Alberta's Black community. So it's important to know the difference. Why are you an entrepreneur? Why are you an immigrant entrepreneur? Um, it's not as e- an easy question to answer, but those are two aspects of immigrant entrepreneurship. So you can ask the question, why are you starting your own business? Is it because you are, you're driven? And typically people who are pulled into entrepreneurship are people who have been buying and selling since they were young kids, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They've been, even before they come into their, con- their, their, their host country, they have some kind of uh, experience buying and selling, you know, trying and failing and trying again. That's uh, an entrepreneur that's pulled into entrepreneurship. However, the entrepreneur that's pushed into entrepreneurship may have that pull aspect but what we're seeing is because uh, credentials aren't recognized 
to the level we would like them to be. People tend to look for survival jobs, survival employment, and then have their side hustle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. You have given us a whole new twist of some research, and that is really insightful. Wonderful. Could you (laughs) share with us how we can all become masters of our circumstances? It goes back to understanding that your value is in the fact that you just have intrinsic value Mm -hmm. and you build on that. You have intrinsic value as a human being. Uh, Understand that you're loved. Find out where those who love you are. Uh, Lean into that. Understand your personality. Understand your skills. Understand the experiences you bring. And you need to consistently remind yourself several times a day. You do. Hmm. You need to remind yourself uh, of what's going well in your life. And this goes back to emotional intelligence, right? Um, Remind yourself about what you're thankful for, what you're good at, your accomplishments, what makes you excited. Uh, those are things that are important to have in the back of your mind. In fact, you should be able to talk about three things that you're grateful for at any point in time or three things that you're very good at. You should be able to talk about that at any point in time. Um, that's what can keep you in a grateful mindset. And when you're in that grateful mindset, you're really alert for opportunity. You're alert for opportunity. So that's my advice. Hmm. It's something that (laughs) if I were to ask you, I'm sure you'd be able to answer the question. But in my life, when you ask people, what are three things you're thankful for? It takes about a minute for them to figure that out. Hmm. Or what are three things you're really, really good at? It takes them a while. Or what are your accomplishments? And all of a sudden we become humble. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's something we need to remind ourselves about constantly. Hmm. We need to do that constantly. Yeah. We need to remind ourselves constantly. So we need to ask ourselves these important questions. What are we grateful for? What are our skills? And what was the last one? I, it depends. You can say, you know, what am I thankful for? What have I accomplished this year? Who has been kind to me? How have I impacted somebody today? You see where I'm going? Mm-hmm. You make up your own questions. Yeah. Uh, in other words, it's like you're waking up with that mindset of, it, it gives you that spirit of adventure. Mm-hmm. It opens you up to seeing opportunity where others might not necessarily see opportunity. Mm. And it's hard work. It's hard work. <laughs> Reminding yourself of those is hard work. And it's something you have, it's a discipline. You build You build on it. It's a discipline. Mm -hmm. Well said. Tell us about the impact that you are making in your community. I think that if we were to summon your community members and ask them about how you are blessing their life, they could go on and on. So tell us about that. I'm relatively new in this field of uh, research. Mm. I'm less than five years old in this this, uh, world. Uh, Perhaps in five years, I could be able to give you a better answer. However, 
because of where we are in history, I would say my goal has been to change the narrative uh, on two fronts. On the one hand, to shed light on the immig- on immigrant lived experiences mm-hmm. to mainstream populations. This is who we are. We are diverse, mm-hmm. uh, be it where there, there's diversity within diversity. We are nuanced. And actually, we're a lot, very much a lot like everybody else in many ways. Mm. And on the other hand, I like to change the narrative with the members of my community, members of the immigrant Black community, members of the immigrant community, to understand that they need to, they can come out of their communities and engage with the mainstream meaningfully. And that they are a lot more alike with the mainstream than they realize. So it's a double-pronged approach. The inside out and the outside in. Changing narratives. Thank you for the work that you do. And remember that we are cheering you on as a community. And whenever you need help and support, reach out to us. Thank you, thank you. Love that. Pleasure speaking with you. I love your questions. Uh, They make me think. Uh, And that's high praise coming from an academic and a researcher. Uh, the questions were provocative, respectful, insightful, deep. You ask questions that I, I have to admit, I, I haven't asked myself before. So thank you for taking my mind and emotions to a different place. I appreciate that. That is so sweet, thank you. And we are not yet done. Please finish this sentence for us. Immigrants are? The future. Immigrants are the future. Yeah, we are the future. Wow. (laughs) Well said. We couldn't have ended this conversation better. So thank you so much, Bumi Obatiro, for coming. You're very welcome.